0: The confidence that he's instilled in in eight days, uh, since since he's played two games, like Kirk Cousins, the heart and soul of that team, okay, goes down with a torn Achilles, and then you're like, okay, what do we do? And then you just keep winning games.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of Chasing It. Trey Wingo here with Chase Daniel. We have started the back half of the season, Chase, and week 10 was certifiably insane, especially for one division, right? Like, the AFC North on Sunday was like the craziest episode of the worst reality television show <laughs> you've ever seen. Everything that could have possibly happened, oh happened. Gosh. And most of them happened in that game between the Ravens and the Browns.
0: Yeah, just complete wildness on Sunday. I mean, like, you know, I'm, I'm here sitting with, uh, like, all six uh, early game windows on, I'd earlier watched the Colts-Patriots, and then kids are screaming, kids are in the pool, and I'm just, like, so glued to my TV – because literally of, of like what happened with the AFC North, especially I mean I, I literally turned i like literally turned um off the Cleveland Baltimore game when they were up seven like seventeen points I was like oh thirty one to seventeen
1: they were they, were, they were they had a they had a ninety seven point one percent win probability, oh. and basically uh the browns. Became, uh, Jason Bateman from Bad Bosses, like the QR. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's essentially what happened. So let, let's start there because the other games with, with the AFC North were nuts. This was a real statement win for Cleveland yeah. for a variety of reasons. Number one, the Ravens had boat raced good teams. Going into this game, they had played four games or three games rather against teams over 500. They'd won all three and they'd won them by a score, an average margin of 34 and a half to four. I mean, they were killing good teams, including the Lions a couple of weeks yep. ago who went into Baltimore. So what does it say to you about Cleveland that went to Baltimore and did what nobody's been able to do?
0: Well, especially when you go to Baltimore, that's the biggest thing. And, and I cover this on on Friday in a couple of my other shows. It's like the way the Baltimore Ravens are playing at home, specifically to how the Baltimore or how the uh, the Browns were playing on the road the Browns were one and two on the road their defense was giving up 30 points a game it was like 250 yards passing game and they were outstanding at home so you were you would have thought just based on stats and everything like that that Baltimore was gonna boat race them just like they had other ones and they were up 15 points and then they uh, the Browns scored 16 unanswered to win and to me the story of that game is not the defense which we thought it was right uh yeah. the, the browns were the number one uh defense in the league and the baltimore was the number two defense in the league that story of the game without a doubt was deshaun watson and sort of yeah. how he is played as of late and they say as of late especially in the second half he completed all 14 of his second-half attempts, 134 yards, and a touchdown. He guided the Browns down the field in the final possession to set up the game-winning field goal. So all of that stuff and everything that's been going on with Deshaun Watson, right? That's been the story of the year. Their defense is really good, but Deshaun has been in. He's been out. We've been talking about him being injured. We've been talking about that. And you just sort of see some of these quotes. I'm going to read it for you. Some of these quotes really tell the story
1: for me because as a quarterback, wait, wait, hey, before, before, wait, he, hey, Chase, yeah. before you go on to those quotes, I, I think it's important to focus on what you said about Deshaun Watson because— Yeah. Look, he's got the best contract that the history of the NFL will ever give. No one's ever given that contract again. He has completely underperformed. I mean, the memes about Deshaun Watson helping this team to the 5-3 and three record were hilarious. He's that guy in the yeah. safety unit, which is not really doing anything, watching everybody else do the work. And I actually put it out there on uh, Twitter. I'm never calling it X putting on Twitter and threads and Instagram. I said, look, this is a chance that Deshaun Watson has to step up today. He has to step up and prove that he can be the guy that they paid him to be because he hasn't been in the year and a half that he's been there. And for him to do what you just said he did, complete all 14 passes in the second half against a really, really good Ravens defense. If you're a Cleveland Browns fan more than anything else, Chase, this gives you hope that this team might be actually able to do something.
0: Well, it's finally exactly what you said. It's finally what they paid him all that money to do, what they thought that he'd been able to do. And look, he was out of the game for a year for obvious reasons and just struggled actually getting into it. And just, it it, it takes a little bit when you're out for so long to actually, especially he's been hurt. Like, let's just call it what it is. He was hurt probably a lot worse than a lot of people thought. And for him to actually focus in on the road, like this is why they paid him that insane amount of guaranteed money to go on the road against the division foe and to play the way he did, especially in the second half the first half to me didn't play very well he was in he was out He was trying to feel out the the Ravens defense the Ravens defense honestly like the first half was flying around it oh, was great. um classic Ravens defense and all of a sudden they found something like I I'm not a huge believer Trey in second half adjustments um well, we've talked because, about that yeah yeah we've talked about it because at halftime it's 10 minutes you go in you get a peanut butter and jelly you get some lemonade you get some water whatever some electrolytes and you're back out there and you really talk they take a leak I yeah, you take a leak, you know. And I really do think that something clicked within that offense, and they said something or they saw something that other teams, quite honestly, hadn't with the Ravens. Because to put up what the numbers they put up, um, thirty-three points against the number two defense, like that, to me, and says and a lot. the
1: number one scoring defense. I mean, the Ravens had the number one scoring defense in the NFL.
0: Yeah, and 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 the thing that yeah, I want to get to these quotes because to me that is. Like, you can just feel something special brewing around Cleveland. Like, this to me is a defining win. They called it, okay, their team called it a defining win when you can go onto the road like that, okay? He's a warrior, Browns coach Kevin Savancy said. Makes plays when they're not there, makes unbelievable throws, never a doubt in his mind how this game was going to turn out, okay? He's a gamer, Browns All-Pro Joel Petonio said of Watson. All week, I sensed this focus from him. That was a really telling quote. And then finally, Browns D.N. Miles Garrett kept on telling y'all once he hits his stride he's going to be back to his previous ways we're just seeing a glimpse into what he can be and who he is that tells me that he first of all, has never lost the locker room. There's a lot of talk on, like, oh, you know, this injury stuff. That tells me that these guys believe in him. And when you, as a quarterback, can get your teammates to rally around you, not only does it bring you more confidence, but you can go out there and play loose. Like, hey, I don't have to to press. I can just be myself. i got to trust the guys around me. It's finally seeming like him and Stefanski are on the same page. So all-encompassing. Like, that, to me was the story of the game. We can talk later about the the Ravens and their defense and what's coming up for them. But to me, like all this negative talk in the national media about Deshaun Watson, he shut them up today, especially
1: his second half showing. He certainly did. So let's talk about the Ravens for a second. They were a big in the first half. They were a big late in this game. And they could not close we i already told you that they played other 500 teams that were over 500 they played very well is this a one off against a really special defensive unit that was able to make some plays in cleveland or do you have concerns about baltimore after this i don't really have concerns about baltimore and quite
0: honestly i like bad takes exposed, old takes exposed. Whatever that Twitter account is, because I tweeted. I'm like, quite honestly, the Ravens are one of the best teams in the National Football League now. I still believe that. However, yeah. you don't love how they finish the game. They got you know the Browns scored the last 16 points, 16 unanswered, and Baltimore could do nothing like to 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 handle that at all, and especially at home, you know. And moving forward there's some big games coming up, right, with Baltimore. Yeah. And and it's it, you all want to be able to keep pace with the Chiefs, right? That's the story is like, "Hey, can you get home field advantage? Can you make the road to the playoffs go through Baltimore?" Okay, cuz it seemed like that AFC North that we're talking about is stacked, but honestly, the winner on bye week is the Chiefs because they were yep. the closest team to it, and that's that's something you got to talk about as well is like, "Hey, Look, not only are you trying to win your division, you're trying to do all that, this team believes, and Baltimore believes, that they are good enough, and I think they're good enough, to play into a number one seed, but this really hurts that chance, especially with the Chiefs on bye week right now. So that, to me, is sort of the story of of that Baltimore Ravens defense. I don't, I'm not down on them, and I'm not down on that offense. I just think... This can leave a sour taste in your mouth. And if you let it snowball, right, it's yeah. it's going to come down to those leaders in that locker room. If you let it snowball, then then it becomes, okay, you're wasting a lot of talent on a really good team. I don't think that's going to happen um, because I, I trust Harbaugh at the end of the day, honestly. Like, been around forever, done at a high level. Um, but always, right, Trey, you're, to your point, like, it's always been, what's the Baltimore Ravens weakness? The playoffs. The playoffs.
1: In the Lamar Lamar Jackson era, let's just be honest. I mean, you know, they won Super Bowl 47 with Joe Flacco and Harbaugh was there, but in in the Lamar Jackson era, the weakness is the playoffs. And this is gonna be a team, no matter what happens, Chase, in the regular season. Cool. Now show me in the playoffs.
0: Well, and that's why that's why I feel like they are needing to play and they want to play for that number one seed. And so that to me is more important than a division title because this this Ravens team has that talent. To be able to do that so this loss to them was a big blow for that
1: well not only you mentioned the chiefs winning uh the chiefs also win because another team lost that think people think might be able to give them trouble and that's the cincinnati bengals and Mm. we'll get to the houston side of it in a second because there's a great story brewing in houston but we're sort of focusing in on the afc north right now the first drive of the game was clinical and surgical for the bengals against the texans texans joe burrow moved them right down the field put them up seven nothing everything was rolling and then for about the next two and a half or two quarters they got 22 yards of offense and the texans went up and down the field joe burrow threw two horrible interceptions in this game he was only bailed out because cj stroud who did everything right again which we'll get to in a second threw a really bad interception late in the game that brought them back but they still couldn't punch it in and then the texans go down and find a way to win Chase, I don't know how you feel about it, but this to me was a devastating, and I mean a devastating loss for the Bengals for two reasons. One, because they started 1-3, and three, so they were already behind. They went into this game 5-3. and three. They come out at 5-4. and four. Everybody in their division, everybody in their division has a winning record right now in the AFC North, and they have the worst record in the AFC North. And you, let's just for fun, okay? Let's just do this, okay? I'm going to call this up right now. This is the schedule, the remaining schedule for the uh for the Cincinnati Bengals, and it is brutal, okay? <laughs> after after god dang it. Oh, I got the wrong one. Okay. They uh they have a Thursday night game coming up against the Baltimore Ravens, all right? That's the start. Then they got to play the Steelers twice. They got to play Uh, Kansas City they have to play Jacksonville suddenly they got to play Minnesota now the Colts are in there they should probably win that one then they got to play Cleveland to finish the season if if the Bengals don't make the playoffs and they're very capable of doing it but if the Bengals don't make the playoffs you're going to look at this game against the Houston Texans that they probably should have put away early or put away late and they couldn't do it as the one that really killed them
0: 100 percent and and you look at the updated AFC North standings which every team like you said has winning records Baltimore 7-3, Pittsburgh 6-3, Cleveland 6-3. Cincy is in last place at 5-4. If you just put me and tell me on paper and who had been playing prior to today, I'd be like, I'd put Cincy in top three in the entire AFC. Okay? Yep. And they're fourth place in their division. So I'm I'm with you. People on Twitter, uh, X whatever, it's Twitter, um, it's are Twitter. saying like, Hey, is it is it a better win for the Texans or a worse loss for for the Bengals, I'd say without a doubt, I agree with you. Worst loss for the Cincinnati Bengals, and not only, um you know how they lost, right? With, it, you know, you you referenced it, and I'm glad you did. But it was 300. So after the first drive, okay, after the yeah. first drive for Cincy, it was through through three, uh, two and a half other quarters. It was 376 yeah. yards, Houston, 26 yards, Cincy. How does that they happen? had 26 yards after, and and I don't know. I and mean, that, that's the thing. Is like Burrow in the middle of the game looked like lethargic. They had like six straight punts and three and outs, and and I don't know if it's more to talk about the Texans defense or if it's what you say about Cincy, but I can tell you that anyone who follows NFL, especially AFC North, would tell you that Cincy is or was the sort of the team that was like on the rise, right? They had won four straight, going for fifth straight, yeah. and then for them to lose the way they did and to an up and coming Texans team who we'll talk a little about later. It's just, it it just is like going into the week. Right. We talked about playoff standings and all four of those teams were in the playoffs. So like, they're just going to beat up on each other. Like you look at the schedule and if they can get to 10 wins, in my opinion, like it's a good year when you start the way they did, fought back and were able to do what they did. I still think overall, they're really, really good, but I mean, you look at like even this is crazy to me because you think about Cincy. Cincy had Burrow had 347 yards passing, Mixon had 46 yards rushing. They had over 400 yards of offense, okay, and still scored 27 points. Okay, they are in that division. Okay, points 4 they've only scored 182 points, and that defense has given up 192. Okay, they're yeah. still like it, like technically one of the worst offenses in all of football. And the fact is, they started really bad. They've been on a tear as of late, but then you just that that sort of erases what you have because you're one game over 500. That will get you nowhere, and in fact, out of the playoff picture going into week 11.
1: Well, well, again, you said 10 wins, okay? So they're five and four right now. They're five and four right. So that means they got to get they got to get five right. Here's their schedule. All right. Here's the Bengals' remaining schedule. At Baltimore, home for Pittsburgh. At Jacksonville, uh, yeah, Indianapolis, Minnesota, Man. at Pittsburgh, at Kansas City, and then they finish up home with Cleveland. I have three, maybe four, so they get to I mean, nine and eight. I mean, oh. yeah, is that does that get you in? Does that get you in the in a very competitive AFC? I do a not ten, know. If
0: you're in ten, if you're ten, if you're ten, yeah. I think you're getting in. So ten, so yeah. ten's a magic number, right? It's yeah. been like that since the game. Went to seventeen, seventeen games. Yeah. and I want to be clear:
1: games. we're not saying they can't do it. No, we're just saying it's no. it's w- much more difficult after the game they gave away today. Much. Consi- the I'm not has sure has that to be a lot like. I, yeah, has
0: to be I, a top I, five, right, to finish.
1: So before we move on to the Steelers, then let's talk about this. Considering what the Ravens did in collapsing against the Browns, and considering how the Bengals sort of took two and a half quarters off. How important for both teams is this upcoming Thursday night game when they go to Baltimore? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's
0: it's crucial, right? Like they they yeah. in short week, so you're probably feeling bad. You're probably beat up from this past game. But to me, it's it's crucial. I mean, it, it's just as like, hey, like prime time as primetime gets, because I, I know from the last Thursday night game we saw, which was a <gasps> yawner, as you like yeah. to say it, Bears Panthers. They they started okay. They started previewing Amazon did that game in like the yeah. second quarter. Hey, and I know so we like, know this yeah, we know this game sucks, but look, next week uh, we got a good one. Next so week, was week like, we got a oh good one. Oh my gosh. Like what are we what are yeah. we doing? Like, yeah, like that, to me that's it was critical. Oh. It's critical. And so yeah, I mean it you know, I just go back if they win and then like, you know, I don't know. It's just it's an interesting game and some and sometimes though Trey, as players. You almost want to get back on the field. Like, most players hate Thursday night games. Let's just call it how it is. Yeah, but if you sure. lose the way you lost, right, like this, yeah. like I'm almost thinking like, hey, forget all the prep, forget all this, because there's only – you have one day to prep, right? You get Correct. off they'll – they'll get off tomorrow. They'll be in right. Tuesday for a walkthrough, and then tra- they're traveling, right? You'll travel Wednesday. It's, like, unbelievable. Like, it's just – I don't know, man. It's, it's, uh, it's an interesting dynamic, for sure,
1: coming up in this game. Listen, the Bengals started 0-2 last year, made the playoffs, right? They started 0-2 again this year, and then they won a game, then they went 1-3. This one's tough. I mean, like, they can do it. If any team can go on a run, I believe the Bengals can. But that is a brutal schedule, and it starts with that huge Thursday night showdown in Baltimore. And the Ravens don't want to be embarrassed twice at home in a in, in, in span of five days, so you know that's going to be a big part of it as well. Yeah. All right, before we get to Houston, because, there's again, it's a huge story – what are the Steelers like? Is this just a tribute to Mike three? Tomlin? Yeah, that's six exactly right. Six and three. They're, they're still they still have been outscored by the season and massively outgained for the season. But here they are, six and three, finding ways to win, and they win one score games. I think I think every one of their uh, every one of their wins this year has been a one score win. Um, what does it say to you about a team? that is able to string that together again and again over a season. Like, we saw Minnesota do it crazily off the charts good last year. They had 11 one-score uh, games, 11 one-score wins, which is never going to happen again. But I think Pittsburgh already has six of these things. Is it a tribute to Tomlin? Is it a tribute to the defense? Where do you go with what we're seeing out of Pittsburgh? I don't go to the offense.
0: That is for sure where I don't go. They've only scored 156 points this year. Um, my first thought, um, based on... The roster that they have is is Tomlin and defense yeah. and Tomlin is a guy. I mean, it's just like i I constantly think for the most part that coaching is somewhat overrated because you can only coach these players to do so much. And then when they get between the white lines, it's them. Like yeah. it, it's it's the players, and that's just what it is.
1: And can, I, so, can I tell you something? Can um, I tell you real quick about yeah. that? Which yeah, what yeah. I love about that, my good friend Merrill Hodge, who I work with forever, he had the greatest line about that point you just made. Like you can prep them and do all this stuff, but at the end of the day, the players have to go execute. He used to say all the time, yeah. coaches have all the power but no control, and that's exactly yeah. what you're talking that's about. Great. That's great. It's exactly yeah, that's what exactly you're talking, what I'm
0: talking about. about. And, yeah. and every every coach I've been around, honestly, is like it's players, not plays. Like it's players, not plays like like you can put the team in a uh, good position to be able to um, make it a fact where um, I don't know. You can be it just comes down to the roster like at the end of the day. Like for me, that's what it is. And um, I I think that Tomlin, though, when you look at the Steelers, has put them in a position to be successful because quite honestly, he's probably telling Matt Canada, look, just don't mess it up. Like just don't mess it up. Just be efficient. Just do yeah. what you do. What you do and don't mess it up. But then that defense, like I, I love Pittsburgh's defense. Like, like I yeah. think they have always been the fact of the matter, and they're able to actually go out there and carry a team, which you don't see very much of. But I'm looking at Kenny Pickett's numbers against Green Bay. Yeah, he was 14 of 23, 126 yards in a football game, and you
1: win. Yeah. And you win and and that's the way it's been all season with them that's the way it's
0: been all season yeah
1: i don't get it i don't get it and and i want to be i want to be clear weird team yeah they're yeah but they're six and three and here they are and they're not in the last place in the division and the bengals are and uh, just to be clear because people say what do you when coaching is overrated you can coach the players to do the right things but at some point they got to execute it that's what we're saying here like we're not saying you 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 don't need to have a good coach No, that's not what we're saying we're saying at some point the coach is going to deliver the game plan But it's up to the players to execute it. And the coach can only sit there and say, I told you to do this. It's up to the players. It's up to the players. Well, like, people can think all they want. And people,
0: like, people haven't been in an NFL locker room where Andy Reid and Sean Payton's like, look, dude, I can only tell you so much. Like, just do what you do. And we, like, it's players. Like, I've had every head coach I've been around, it's players not the plays like we can dig up all these crazy cool plays and it might work and not, but you still have to be the one to go out there and execute. The biggest thing yeah. that I think that coaching is not overrated on is a person and a guy that can talk to the team. That is yeah. what I want. I want a person and a coach like Dan Campbell that can yeah. actually go out there and look you in the eye and motivate men. Okay. Not young men, not college age kids. Yeah. That's easy. 30 okay? year olds. Give them some money. Yeah. Yeah. 30-year-old grown men, give me that type of coach that I want to run through a wall for, and that, to me, will make me say coaching's not
1: overrated. Okay, we'll get to Dan in a second, but I think another guy you're talking about is now coaching the most surprising team in football, and that's the Houston Texans and D'Amico Ryans. D'Amico Ryans is a guy that can motivate his team. D'Amico Ryans is a guy that has gone out there and showed it. And C.J. Stroud, what he did... Sunday against the Bengals was, to me, maybe more impressive than what he did last week in the huge game against the, uh, against the yeah. Bucks. 470 yards, five touches. Because he was hot the entire game. The most important thing I saw out of C.J. Stroud today, and you can speak on this, he made the critical error, right? They're up 10 points. Yeah. Joe Burrow has just thrown an interception in the end zone. Gift, right? All you got to do is don't make the big mistake, and you're going to walk out of there with a win instead what happens he throws the interception in deep in his territory with about four minutes three minutes to play sets them up and they come up and tie this game so he makes the critical mistake the one thing that you can't do he makes the one error you can't make as a rookie as a rookie or a young quarterback and what happens after that he gets another chance and he forgets about it and marches them right down the field and puts them in position for the game-winning field goal. That, to me, was more impressive than anything he did against the Bucks because anybody can play well when you're playing well. It's the yeah. guys that can make chicken salad out of chicken shit after the biggest mistake of the game <laughs> to come in there and say, I'm good, I'm mentally strong, and I'm going to forget that and get where I need to be. That was impressive you hit it right on man. And I, and I
0: totally agree with you. And, and, and actually a story about um, CJ. So, so I actually today talked with Peter King and he, Peter King uh, wanted to ask me something on the Texans. And he had just literally talked to CJ Stroud yeah. and he, his first question that he asked. Okay. I'm giving you all some insight. He said, what happened on the interception in CJ to his face? Just said, man, I F that up. Like it's on yeah. me. Watership. Like, 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 I love the fact that he owned it, man. Yep. Like accountability. Like he knew, like, of course it was his fault. Like put it five, like three feet out more, at least at least like incomplete. Like don't throw, he knew it. And to me, yeah. that is gross. And that tells me that you know exactly who you are in this league. And the yeah. fact that uh, the matter is, if you just actually, like we can talk a little bit about the more performance and I will, but I want to say something because I said it, on Friday, and I said, if you just put C.J. Stroud's picture on a screen, okay, and then silhouette him so you have no yeah. clue who he is, and you put all of his passing stats and yep. the offensive stats, every single major category he is top five in, okay? Yeah. So you would say that just by the play of this young man, he now forget about the team that has, just by the play, he absolutely deserves to be in the MVP race. Yeah. 100%. The way he's he put playing, himself in the conversation. Today. Rookie, and you're talking about a rookie quarterback, yeah. okay? Back-to-back two-minute drive wins, but the fact of the matter is a lot of quarterbacks, I don't care who you are, especially rookie, when you make that massive mistake in front of a national audience on the road against the Cincinnati Bengals defense which the prior four games was playing at an extremely high level, top Very 6 high. or 7 in every category the last four games. A lot of those guys can go in the tank and just be like, Man, like I gave it my all, like, of course I'm gonna try. But to actually like go out there and do it, and Joe Burrow is on this other sideline, and you outplayed Joe Burrow at home and you beat Joe Burrow as a rookie, like that just tells me a lot about you personally, and it tells me honestly a lot about that offensive staff because I want to give that offensive staff its flowers right now because what they've been able to do right now and I sent out a tweet earlier today because what I was able to do Bobby Slowick, Ben McDaniel, Shane Day, Jared Johnson, Bill Lazer, they D'Amico Ryans brought all those guys in to surround themselves around a rookie quarterback and CJ Stroud that they thought could be great okay add Case Keenum to that because he's damn near a coach Okay. Yep. They put every type of resource around this guy. And man, has it paid off? Not only um like the belief that Bobby Slowick has in uh in, in in him, but the fact of the matter is the design, the creativity, the way they uh use motion, the way they design plays, everything has to deal with: are you comfortable, young man? CJ Stroud, do you like this play? If not, I I don't care. It's out like Bobby Sloak to me could say, you know what? I have a rookie quarterback. I have a staff. I've done this for, I've been around Shanahan. I've been around the good offenses of the 49ers. I could actually go in and be like, you know what? You were just running this no matter what it's, it's the relationship between a play caller and especially a rookie quarterback for, for CJ to trust Bobby the way he does. And for Bobby to trust CJ, the way he does, it's beautiful. And honestly, like I said it before, it takes two guys. It takes two yeah. guys, maybe one guy, to transform an entire organization. Like, you, you can't tell me that you were looking forward to watching the Texans this year. And now they're no, a team that you want to see and you want to watch. Yeah. And those two guys are D'Amico Ryans and CJ Stroud. Completely transform the foreseeable future for this organization.
1: Yeah. And, and if uh, CJ Stroud's in the MVP conversation, D'Amico Ryans has to be in the top two. 100%. In terms of coach of the year. Coach of the year. It's been an unbelievable journey so far for them. Okay, you mentioned Dan Campbell. Big win for them. Uh, Late field goal to win it. Back and forth game uh, in SoFi against the Chargers. Did we learn more about Detroit or did we learn more about the Chargers in the loss? Detroit in the win, Chargers in the loss.
0: I think you probably learn more about Detroit because you lose a game like that in Baltimore. You go on by. You're itching to get back to to play, right? Well, then they had the Monday 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 night. night game. Yeah. yeah, but then you go you go on the road and into SoFi, which it's it look it sounded like a Lions home game, so it's not a hard stadium to play at. It's like damn near a home game for every away team, but for both the Rams really, and the Chargers, let's be honest, yes, for both the Rams yes. and the Chargers, yeah. SoFi is an away game for for Rams and Chargers, but you go into that game, and the amount of times that I mean. I guarantee you that the Lions and Chargers were not expecting an offensive shootout like, like, like no. that, and the Chargers to stick around like they were, and Justin Herbert to have the type of game that he did because that defense was playing pretty well. And then for Jared Goff and for uh, Dan – like that, to me, that coaching is not overrated. Like that coaching the, – the call of the game, you're in field goal range. It's fourth and two. Oh, I think it was Where like fourth and four. Teams. I think it was fourth and I think it was
1: longer than fourth and two, yeah, wasn't it? It was
0: fourth and two or fourth and three. And yeah. for for them and Dan Campbell, because that decision comes from Dan Campbell, for him to say, you know what? Nope. We're gonna uh, we're gonna go for it. Even though we can easily make a field goal, we don't wanna give it back to Justin Herbert. That's saying, man, I trust my offense. I trust Jerry Goff, I trust Ben Johnson. Like to me, that was the ballsiest coaching decision of the day because you're on the road if, if yeah. it doesn't make if you aren't good like and you lose that game like that's the story and and that's the other thing about detroit it is a win because you look and i sent it in our text right? i'm gonna pull it up now this is the best thing about reactionary shows is you could just go <laughs> okay look at look at the next five look at the next five yeah. for detroit okay they could yeah. very well be 13 and 2 and have yeah. you're you're talking about this team as a possible number one seed okay they got the bears win they got the packers Probable win. They Probably got the Saints. Win. Okay, toughest game: uh, yeah. Bears and Broncos. Those are the next five. Yeah. Okay, they play Bears, Bears, Packers, Saints, Broncos.
1: You you okay, can't so, tell me yeah. right now you don't think they're going to be thirteen two
0: at this point. Well, he,
1: he, well, he, here's the here's the best part about that. Okay, the Cleve, uh, the Detroit Lions have not had a ten win season since twenty fourteen. They have not they have not won their division since nineteen ninety three. They have not won a playoff game since 1991, that 31 year stretch. 93 division? Yeah, 91, the last time they won a playoff game. Okay. So all of those things are in play for Detroit. And they sometimes you take the, your opponent's best shot and you find a way to make it at the end. That's exactly what they did. And I think they went on fourth down four or five times in this game. No one's gone for four or it more five. on fourth down. Yeah. No one's gone for it more on fourth down than Dan Campbell, not even Brandon Staley. So the, the Lions have an identity. And, and I mean they went for it a couple times on third and five and fourth and fourth and six or third and sixth and fourth, they just ran it up the middle. Like they 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 showed no respect. No that respect. That was wild. Unfortunately, no running
0: to just a draw? Like what? Running up doing? the middle.
1: Like you guys can't stop us. We think you're soft. That's exactly what that is. Okay? So we, we've established an identity for Detroit now. What have we established for the Chargers? They had that big win it was ugly but they got special teams points on Monday night all those things were working in their favor they were back to 500 things were rolling this kills them this loss yeah. kills yeah. them yeah especially because you got to love the way
0: that the offense played against the top 15 defense at home yeah. and behind their like behind the change you're out you're Two your top three receivers, Mike Williams and Josh Palmer. Okay, Keenan Allen has yep. a masterful day, but he missed a quarter or so. Yeah, he went Maybe out with shoulder a shoulder injury. Yeah. He went out with a shoulder, but ended up with still 175 yards. So you got, you know, Q, the big big receiver, and you got Jalen Guyton. So, like, you're doing this, if you're the Chargers on offense, you're still putting up 430 yards of offense, okay, against that. But your defense gives up 535 yards and uh, how many points? 30, uh, how many points they score? 41. Well, 41. 41. Lions scored, scored 41. Yes, the, yeah. so, so your defense gives up 535 yards and 41 points. Mm-hmm. Like, it's almost to the fact it's like, okay, like, who do you put it on? Who do you, who do you put it on? Because the problem right now, it, I it, I overall, is not the
1: offense. Okay, go ahead. What do you think? I mean, Tom Telesco has a very tough decision to make this offseason. Gosh, I, and I, Tom's a friend of mine, and I, yeah. I think he does a wonderful job. He has stacked that roster. He stacked that roster, okay. Percent. I mean, he you know they he apologized for bringing in J.C. Jackson, but everyone when they brought him in, they thought it was a good idea. He was playing on an outstanding level. The corner, you know, you have Khalil Mack, you have Bosa, you make all these moves, they're just not performing. And you yeah. know you know where this goes. It goes on the head yeah. coach. And I, I, if yeah. I'm Brandon Staley, I'm I'm making sure that uh, that um, that I'm making sure that I don't have a an, an adjustable rate mortgage on the house right now. I mean look, at the end of the day, someone's
0: responsible for it and and it, it just it is because, you know, they're what are they? They're four and five right now. They're four and five. Five and four sounds so much better. You get momentum from beating a, a really good Detroit team. Let's be honest, like like we just said the next five games for Detroit, this was by far their most difficult game on the schedule as of the next five. And they're able yeah. to get out of there with a win. And honestly, like I just at the end of the day, like I, don't, I just feel bad for Justin in the offense because they're, he's having a, a magnificent year, even with finger and all. Like, he's having a really, really good year. He threw for, he threw for
1: three, or three or four touchdowns and what, 330-something yards today? Like, yeah, he was I mean, good. it's
0: just it's, – he was really good. I mean, yeah, he threw for 323 yards and four touchdowns. He threw an interception on the first drive of the game on trying to throw the yeah. ball away. Okay, so what? Like, yeah. that to me. So, he has a, a hell of a game, Keenan Allen. 11 catches, one hundred seventy five yards, two touchdowns. Uh, it's just like they're putting up offensive numbers to win, but they're not getting wins.
1: All right. They're not, and they're in real trouble. We thought the Vikings were in real trouble a couple of weeks ago, and then Josh Dobbs to the rescue. Like One of my favorite things about today, no matter what happened, when Josh Dobbs showed up uh, <laughs> at the stadium in Minnesota, yes. a security guard had to tell him where the home locker room was. Again, this is how new it was. Remember, he joined them on the road last week in Atlanta. And by the way, we are continuing to boycott the NFC South on this show until someone shows that they want to win the damn thing, all uh, right? The, the NFC South is irrelevant on this show until someone does something that makes us think, okay, we'll talk about you. And I get it, the Bucks yeah. won. They beat Will Levis and the Titans, whatever. Um, but I'm... What I, I... I just... Josh Dobbs, man. Like, the stuff he's continuing... And I don't know how it's going to go, right? I don't know how much longer this is going to be because he's been around for a while. He's bounced around to a lot of teams. But only Lamar Jackson has more rushing yards from the quarterback position this year than Josh Dobbs. He has just been a a godsend for a Minnesota team that was floundering after the Kirk Cousins injury and thought their season was over. They're the only team in the NFC North that can make a legitimate run at Detroit.
0: Yeah, and honestly, you can see sort of the belief that um, Josh Dobbs has brought. That's that's where I go. Like, okay, on the field, he's awesome. But the belief a little bit that... And, and, and the confidence that he's instilled in, in eight days uh, since, he's been, since he's played two games. Like Kirk Cousins, the heart and soul of that team, okay, goes down with a torn Achilles. And then you're like, okay, what do we do? And then you just keep winning games. Like you win your next to Atlanta and then the Saints, which you put up 27 points against the Saints defense. Um, like to me, and you've been in the offense for two weeks, like you gotta, you gotta start talking about him as, as potentially like, like really good quarterbacking. I know I talked about, uh, in a text thread that we had like, okay, look, I don't think Josh jobs is, is that good enough to like elevate a team's play.
1: And Chitch, show show up the receipts when we, when we produce yeah. this. Put the put the yeah. put the text up because you and I, I were I knew you were going to say that, forth. so I wanted to
0: say it. We were going back and forth, <laughs> and and that's the thing is like you're just I'm just so impressed with how he's able to and and and, and the ability to extend plays has what has really struck me the last two weeks with Dobbs, and yeah. it's his legs, it's his running ability, but it's also the wiggle in the pocket or the, the slight movement and step up and go out just to find enough time downfield. Those type of plays kill defenses. They, they yeah. hate that kind of thing because they have everything covered. And, yeah, you just can't say enough about, really, the coaching job, too, like KOC has done, Kevin O'Connell, because yeah. you lose. You're on your third together. quarterback. And keeping yeah. that team together. And, by the way, you know, Justin Jefferson, he didn't play. He's the best yeah. receiver in football. Like, once you
1: get him yeah. back, it's just going to keep going. It's awesome. Yeah, I mean, that, it's, 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 that, really, it's, it's a feel-good story. That, that's the best point. Their best player is close to coming back, and he'll make Josh Dobbs a better throwing quarterback, no question about it. All right, before we get on to the, the double-fisted bleep show of a couple of teams that we need to talk about, crazy thought for me, Chase. It's as if a team that trades for a pass rusher and gets their best offensive lineman back and arguably one of the top five offensive linemen in the history of the NFL... And mm. gets a game breaking wide receiver back, suddenly makes your quarterback better. And that's certainly wow. what we saw in Brock Purdy. Look, I, I tweeted this out. I didn't exit out. I tweeted it out. <laughs> Brock was never the problem, but it's amazing how much better he can play with Trent Williams and Debo Samuel back in the lineup.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, and, and really, I mean, obviously, like, Trent Williams is like, I, I agree with you on that sentiment. He's insane. But sort of. Sort of the kicker here is is Debo and and what he yeah. brings to that to that offense. I mean, you know, it wasn't it wasn't great numbers. Three carries, twenty nine yards, a touchdown, and four. You got to account for, for thirty yards, but you, you just have, have to, to account, account for, him. for him. So it opens yeah. up Kittle, who had three for one sixteen with a long yep. of like averaging forty yards a catch for a tight end. Okay, and then Brandon Ayuk three for fifty five. So the way they're in a touchdown, the way they're able to spread the ball around with him. It becomes, now it's a three... Yeah, now it's a four-headed monster rather than a three-headed monster because CMC, Ayuk, Kittle. Yeah. Okay, then you add Debo to it. It just makes his job better. And honestly, like, getting back to scoring 30 points and in your ways of doing things like that, like, this is a really, really big win for San Fran on a, a lot of different levels. They had lost three straight going into it. Everyone's like, Brock Purdy sucks. Like, go with, like, darn... I'm like, you guys haven't watched a, an ounce of football your entire yeah. life, like it's not—he's not the problem. I totally agree with your ex. Nope. and yeah. or your tweet. <laughs> See, we're just going back and forth with this stuff. Um, and then, but honestly, too, like a little bit of a poor showing by Jacksonville. One five straight going yeah. into it. At, they're at home and they just sort of run into a brick wall. But you they gotta got punched love, in the mouth. They got punched. Yeah, in the I mouth. mean, call it what it is. But you got to love the way San Fran's playing right now.
1: Oh yeah, listen, it's everyone. This is where I, I drives me crazy when people say, "Well, this is the team to beat right now." This is the. Te- Everyone's gonna be that team at some point in the season. The important thing is to be the team to beat in the playoffs, okay? So everyone's gonna go up, everyone's gonna go down. So you can get all excited about all this kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, every team's gonna have good days and they're gonna have shit burgers, okay? And and that's the season, that's the way it is. That's the only reason there's only one team that's ever won all the games, ever, okay? so So just like, relax. The Niners are going to be fine. They're a very, very yep. good football team. Yep. And now it's time for two teams that have been standard bearers in the NFL and that are both unmitigated disasters. Let's start with New England. The Patriots fall to 2-8, and eight, and I am sure there's going to be a meme very soon of Robert Kraft, the owner, sitting in the box in Frankfurt after something went wrong in the first half, just like this. Oh, like, like, just the most defeated he's been in his billionaire life. Uh, it, oh is, it is horrendous. And you and I have talked about this since the start of the season, Chase. And now more people are sort of picking up steam. There's a real possibility that we are watching the end of Bill Belichick in New England, because there is nowhere to go for this team.
0: No, and it's, it's a long plane ride back. With Kraft and Belichick from Germany, yeah. and and I don't ever I don't I don't see them I don't see them firing him during season. I I imagine the way it will go is like, hey, we're gonna say it's a mutual parting of ways, and then Bill Belichick will have a job within a day, if not already a job right now that his agents. Okay, well I know what time he's done.
1: If he if he wants it, I mean he's gonna be he, seventy one next year.
0: To, he wants to get the record, dude. He I wants agree. To get I the agree. Record. He's so close. Two seasons max, three maybe. And so it's just, it just is, it's, it's hard to watch. Like, and I said this, and I, I'm going to be honest, like, I, I picked New England to go to Germany and beat the Colts, okay? And for yeah. a couple of reasons. One, I just thought that there was so much talk during the week of Bill Belichick and how his job security and stuff, and sometimes those weeks you can rally teams. Obviously, not the case. Um, pretty boring game, in my opinion, to watch. Very low scoring. Um, and, then, and then I got to thinking, like, okay. How can I talk about Bill Belichick and not be disrespectful? And here it is. And here it is. I did it on a national television on Friday. Here's what I said, and, and, it, and it holds true even more today than it did on Friday. Okay, you can say uh, whatever you want about Bill Belichick, the GM. Okay? Yeah, but you yeah. can't say anything about Bill Belichick, the coach. Correct. And, and I go to the GM thing. He has surrounded, especially go to offense, he has surrounded Mac Jones And Bailey Zappi With guys that cannot separate At wide receiver There is not one skill position uh, Player on that team that I'm scared of And and quite honestly, the Colts What they did, they just said Hey, we're going to do what the last three or four teams have done Against you, New England We're going to play press man We're going to get home against that offensive line And we're going to sack the hell out of Mac Jones Which the Colts did Colts had like four or five sacks And another thing that just irks me so much is that Bill Belichick, the GM decided that it was a good idea to go into the season. Okay. With Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi as your potential starter. There were so many free agents that you could have got for less than 20 million on the market that would have done a better job than those two guys. And And obviously, you know, Mac got benched and Bailey came in put in a horrible spot, by the way, like, like what, like, what are we trying to do? Like, I can't imagine as a quarterback, I'm on a freezing cold sideline in Germany, and all of a sudden, hey, we're benching the starter, two-minute drive, going and win the game. Fake yeah. spike debacle, all that stuff. Um, and so that's, that's really where I see it. Like, you can, you, like, criticize Belichick, the GM, all you want. But as a coach, like,
1: in my opinion, he'll go down as best of, one of the best of all time. He, he will, but here's the also undeniable fact. He's much better with Tom Brady like the numbers are what the numbers are. The numbers yes. are what the numbers are at this point. It happened in Cleveland and it's happening as soon as Tom left. I mean, let's let's just go through this, okay? And I I'm not being disrespectful because I'm being honest. And, yep. and the thing about Bill is he, you know, you you talk to anybody that's that's been coached by Bill, he he will be honest with you in in his evaluation of you and that's all you can ask for, okay? In the years since Tom Brady left, 2020 COVID season, uh Cam Newton didn't make the playoffs. 2021, they draft Mac Jones. They sneak into the wild card, get blown out by Buffalo in the wild card. 2022, they don't make the playoffs. 2023, they're not making the playoffs. That's what it is. Okay, that's what it is. And, and you, if, you're, if you're Bill Belichick, you need to have a really honest conversation with yourself at this point about where you are in putting a football team together. Because without number 12, it's been really bad in New England.
0: Yeah. No, it hasn't been good. So you're you're the, you know, the Belichick, Brady thing. You think it's it's Brady. Well, I I mean based on
1: the uh, stats the numbers the, off. the numbers are the numbers, you know what I mean? He he's under 500 in his coaching career yeah. without Tom Brady at his quarter. And I'm not discounting the things that he does. I'm just saying at the end of the day you you need you need a dude Okay, yeah. you need a dude yeah. under center for you to, you to play very well. And the Belichick and Brady thing is clearly leaning more towards it was Tom. If there's there's, I don't know how you can come to any other conclusion. Like yeah. how can you yeah. how can you justify any other point? It, because if you do, you're not doing it on logic, and you're not doing it on reason, and you're not doing it on the results. You're doing it on something you believe, and that's fine if you want to believe that. But I'm going to come back to you with with the facts and the numbers, facts. and the numbers are yeah. ugly. The numbers are ugly without outside of Matt Castle's 2008 season, where he was unbelievable. Yeah, that's, he was. Yeah, outside I think of that that's a fair assessment, the numbers are not in Bill's favor, and that's just what yeah. they are. And there's nothing in the favor of the Giants right now. I mean, yeah. the I was, Giants. I was literally just about to ask you who's yeah. the worst, who do you think the worst team is, the Giants or the Patriots? Well, I, I think it might be the Patriots? And here's why. Because, okay, they're, they're winning. They're, they're not winning with their quarter. I'll give the Giants this pass. And this is the only pass I'm giving them. Tommy DeVito, okay? Like, and look, I'm happy for the kid. He's getting a chance yeah. to play. He grew up at Giants. But this, that's awesome. But at the end of the day, it was supposed to be Daniel Jones, even though he wasn't very good. And then it was supposed to be Tyrod Taylor, and he got hurt. So they're on a guy that they never really thought they were going to play. Okay? No. They yep. never really thought they were going to play Tommy DeVito. Let's just be honest about it, especially his rookie year. That was, he became the 10th rookie to start uh, a quarterback this season. That's the most, uh, I think, in NFL history we've seen 10 rookie yep, quarterbacks ever. start games. Yep. So, so this is an outlier, but every decision the Giants have made this offseason has turned out to be wrong. To pay Daniel Jones turned out to be wrong. To think that they had the defensive uh, 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 pieces— Turned out to be wrong. The offensive line turned out to be wrong. Giving Saquon a little bit more money turned out to be wrong. Signing Darren Waller turned out to be wrong. Everything they have done has turned out to be wrong. And the Giants from top to bottom, the DeVito factor is a huge part of it. I, I, I don't know where they go. And, and you know, John Mayer is going to have, you know, he's going to have a really interesting decision this offseason I don't think you get rid of Brian Dayball but you no. got to make sure that you figure out what you're doing as a franchise
0: yeah and I think the reasons you stated are why you're not getting rid of Brian Dayball because of a lot yeah. of those um, decisions they were made in like opinion with with Dayball but I think I think you got to give him another year and I think that the way the Giants are moving they're going to have a, a high pick in the draft right so like my question is and that's what—I I don't know. I, I can't answer it, and I don't know if you can either. Has Daniel
1: Jones—this is the story to me. Has Daniel Jones mm-hmm. played his last snap in New York? The way, the way like, I would look at it, I'd have, to, I'd have to look at the dead money on the contract. Because I know it's a four-year contract, but it's really a two-year yeah. contract. You know, what that, you know how that yeah. goes. There's really it's a two— Four-year, four 160 is two years, and eh, we'll talk about it. Right? That's, yeah. what, that, that's what most contracts. Two years, and eh, maybe, you know if everything yeah. works. But nothing has worked. I mean, they played the Dallas Cowboys twice— and they've been outscored 89 to 17. And most of that 17 points were courtesy points by the Dallas Cowboys. Oh courtesy points. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. By and it's Dallas just, it's Cowboys. just, it's honestly like, it's one of those teams that
0: are, they're hard to watch, right? So, like, when I'm actually yeah. watching the, yeah. the game, it's like, okay, like, most teams I would say, um, I don't mind watching. But when you, like, today I was trying to watch because I knew we would talk about them on the show. I was trying to watch the Giants, but I just, even when they were on offense, I tend to be looking at Dallas' defense. And when they were on defense, I just looked at Dallas. So I really didn't even – I was like, it's just, it's just people in blue. Like, it's just blue jerseys. Like, that's how I feel about them. Like, it's, true. it's just true. And but what, it's just but like, what you and, and just Dallas said – Dallas
1: put it on them. What, what you just said is the worst thing you can be, not only in the NFL, but especially in the city of New York, irrelevant. Yeah. And the Giants oh. are irrelevant. I mean, at yes. least the Jets – at least the Jets are – tragically interesting, you know, and every once in a while they do converting. something. At least the Jets, every once in a while do something like, well, maybe if we could do this. Do this. Yeah. The Giants are boring. They're yeah. uninteresting. They're irrelevant. They're just guys in blue. And that will not go over in New York for a second. No. And, that, and that's, yeah, it's just, it's especially
0: New York, right? The market you talk yeah. about and just all those... I just go back to all those bad decisions that you stated. Like it's just when you put it all out there at once, you're like, "Whoa!" (laughs) Like okay, and you say it out loud and you actually talk about it, and it's just yeah. I mean, I don't. I I, got no. They're just hard to watch, man. There's there's
1: guys in blue like we. We wish them all the best in their future endeavors, but unless something magical happens, I don't think we'll mention the words the New York Giants on this podcast for the rest of the year. And on Thank that you. note, on that happy note for all our friends in New York, uh, we say so long, farewell, Auf Wiedersehen, and goodbye.